0: Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of Enlightenment Today, I'm Jason. Today we'll speak about the great sage Lao Tzu. Now a lot of people speculate as to whether Lao Tzu really existed or if he is just a mythological character, but from all accounts Lao Tzu existed, he lived his life in the sixth century BCE and he was attributed to being the founder of classical Taoism. Now who was Lao Tzu if we, if we had to take into account that he is a real, he was a real person, a real character in this life? Well Lao Tzu was a scholar in the, during the, the beginning of the Warring States period of China. And he was one of the, the wisest men in a city called Chengzhou in the Zhou Dynasty. And Lao Tzu had become um, displeased with the way the, the state of the... The city and and the state that he lived in, and he became dissatisfied, and he just wanted to leave his position and and um, to be a life as a hermit. Now, as he was leaving Chengzhou, there there was a guard called Yin Shi, and Yin Shi asked Lao Tzu, you know, can he write something down to leave him some wisdom before before he was to go off and live a life as a hermit? So Lao Tzu said, sure, sure, I'll do that for you, and Lao Tzu begin to write the, the 81 famous verses that became known as the Tao De Ching that we have today. So Lao Tzu is attributed with creating the Tao Te Ching um, and he is the, the Tao Te Ching is the, the core text of classical Taoism and it is actually the philosophy of martial arts and, and generally the philosophy of China in general even if you want to look at Confucianism, Malta um, and all of these other philosophies. Um, The Tao Te Ching is kind of the basis for all Chinese thought, and as I said, um, it is also the basis of thought in martial arts. But a lot of people who practice martial arts forget this because one of the core tenets of the Tao Te Ching is to get to that ultimate place of radical humility. Now Lao Tzu, what he left behind, I should say. Um, Is no different to any of the other Chinese philosophers who existed during the Warring States period of China, whether that be Zhuangzi, Mencius, Confucius, and so on. Um, The essential teaching during that period was how do we cultivate or how do we be Wu Wei. Now Wu Wei means, um, it can mean many things, but it means in general non-doing, non-force, effortless action, but essentially intelligent spontaneity. Um, This is what we're talking about when we're talking about Wu Wei, the power of spontaneity, how to be authentic and how to be real. And Wu Wei then produces what is known in Chinese as Zitran. And Zitran means naturalness. And to translate in English, it means spontaneously of itself, which is what nature is. So this is the power of spontaneity, the power of being authentic. And all of these different sages during that time, no matter whether it was Lao Tzu, Confucius, Zhuangzi, Mencius or whoever, it was always focused about this essential teaching of Uwe. How do we be in Uwe? How do we have an effortless mind, essentially? And Lao Tzu's method differed um, completely different with the, a lot of the other sages about how we become in harmony with nature. Um, and his methods to, of living in harmony with nature were definitely different to the Zhuangzian idea of skill, if you haven't watched my episode on Zhuangzi. Um, I recommend you watch it. And Zhuangzi's emphasis is on skill, about cultivating skill, and this is how you be um, in have an effortless mind and cultivate Wu Wei. But Lao Tzu's idea and method is completely different. Essentially, Lao Tzu is telling us to stop trying, completely stop trying. Now he has a few reasons for this. He's saying that you already have it because his idea of the Tao, of the Way. Um, the irreducible essence of the universe is that it's not outside of the universe. It's not something that we can induce. It's naturally within the universe, and so he's saying essentially to stop trying, to stop being active and seeking this this goal of uwei to be in resonance with the Tao, to be in harmony with the universe. He's saying we essentially need to stop to to get to that place, and that's why there's a line in Dao De Jing, an interesting line. It says, in some of the translations know the male yet stick to the female. Now what this means is, is know the, the, the masculine aspect of the universe, know the active. Um, so this relates to the Chinese yang and yang means masculine, it means um, act, active, it means heaven and in the sense of the body it means heat or in, in even the ecosystem in general it means heat. And the opposite of that is yin the female, the feminine, which is earth, um, which is the receptive, and which is uh, the cooling aspect of the universe, the, the coolant provided to um, our body and the ecosystem. So what this essentially means is, from, from Lao Tzu's perspective, is that when we naturally, res, we, we are actually not always naturally residing in the yin aspect of the universe, the feminine, because um, that is the stillness part of the universe. And the active part of the universe is something we, we should only employ um, moderately. We shouldn't be constantly active, 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 because this destroys not only our mind but our nervous system, and it destroys the world around us. As we see with our um, grossly active world, we are, we are causing problems to the environment and, and also the mental health issues that a lot of people are beginning to experience. So Lao Tzu is saying to, essentially to stop trying. So. Know the male, yet stick to the female. So stick to the yin, and because you already have it, and, and the Tao is within that yin aspect. It's within when we begin to reside in that place. So his here's, essential here's aspect of stop trying, um, Edward Slingeland, uh said that Lao Tzu and the, the, the original Taoists were like the original hippies, I don't know about that, but his point is that the Lao um, sage would go, would leave society and live in harmony with nature, and live a simple life. wouldn't Wouldn't travel too far away from their home. Would grow their own vegetables, and you know, live in just peace and not try too hard to achieve anything. Really. Now. It obviously, because of that perspective, that differs to Zhuangzi, who Zhuangzi says we, we, we don't have to leave society, we should stay in society, and, it, and it's completely opposite to the Confucian ideas, the Confucian virtues of society. And this is why the differences between the methods in the warring states period of how to cultivate wu wei and how to be in harmony with the Dao is best exemplified by the differences between Lao Tzu and Confucius, who a lot of people believe were contemporary sages. And even in the Zhuangzi text, Zhuangzi has an interesting uh, imaginary dialogue between the two where kind of Laozi shoots down all of Confucius's um, attempts to bring the concept of universal love into reality and to be in harmony with the Tao and Lao says you're trying too hard and so forth and so on. So between these two, Lao is promoting the natural individual. He's promoting that individuals uh, naturally have the Tao, they naturally are Uwei. But we are, our nature is warped and we don't realize that. Where Confucius's perspective is one of social ethics, is one of cultivating the individual. It's about cultivating the mind and um, following certain methods to become the best version of ourselves, to, to be a virtuous person. So he has that sort of a map and a philosophy that all people in society should follow. This became known as Ru and Ru is the, phlo- is, actually it means Confucian philosophy in English. And Ru is basically four basic virtues, okay? This is what Confucius laid out. Now the four basic virtues is, the first one is Ren, uh, which is human heartedness. The next one is Yi, and Yi is a sense of justice, responsibility, duty and obligation to others in society. And then there is the Confucian concept of Li, which is love and veneration. Uh, for the relationships in your life that make up your identity and, and the ones who are close to you. And when you have all those three together, you, you uh, produce the fourth virtue, which is qi, which is uh, qi which is wisdom. Now this is uh, this may sound like a, a good system, a good method, probably better than anything we've got in the modern day. And Confucius, we don't want to say Confucius was a fool, he was a clever man, and he created this system. but. Lao Tzu's point is that even this system itself is an external um, system that is meant to try and warp and change the natural individual. This is his point, that we are already naturally good but they've got this system that's trying to warp and change our nature. And this is why he disagreed with the, with the Confucian root. He didn't believe that this is the, the way. and This had nothing to do with the Tao because the Tao is naturally in the universe. Where Confucius's idea was, he created this social ethics system to to try and produce the Dao in society, and, and to and the Dao to induce the Dao in individuals. He believed that this philosophy induced the Dao in individuals. And Lao Tzu was like, no, 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 the Dao is already naturally here. You're putting too many things on top, and it, that's that eclipses the notion of Wu Wei, the notion of having an effortless mind and being in harmony with the Dao. So Lao Tzu shot down his social ethics system because Lao Tzu believed that uh, our nature is warped with any, no matter what it is, with any external influence when we embody it too much, no matter whether that's society, culture, or religion. He believed that um, that naturally warped our character and it it changed us and made us into something that is from an external, external influence, which is different to... Um, how you are, and different to Zitran, because Zitran means naturalness, means spontaneously of itself. It means growing from the inside out, not the outside in. And this is Lao Tzu's point, that any external influence is trying to make you, cultivate you and shape you according to whatever the the laws of the ethical system is. And this is why Lao Tzu's philosophy is... um, Attributed to the uncarved block, um, so it's an uncarved block. It's just natural. It just sits there. Where uh, Confucius' philosophy is the the chiselled block. It's it's um, the, the the carved block. So shaping it and making it a character. Lao Tzu saying, leave it. That's how nature is. So Lao Tzu believed that our nature was fundamentally good. He, he's saying that our nature is fundamentally good, and. Another sage during the Warring States period had had an interesting way to look at this, who who was Mencius. And Mencius had an analogy, Mencius was kind of attributed to being a a Confucian, a Confucian sage but often a lot of his philosophy seems more Daoist and this one is kind of a point where Mencius had an analogy of Ox Mountain. Now Mencius was talking with one of his disciples one day and Mencius was trying to get across the point that um, our nature is fundamentally good, and his disciple was kind of disagreeing with him. And then they looked over at Ox Mountain, and Ox Mountain is this bald mountain. It's completely barren, and it's in a city. And then in the distance, there's in, the, in the forest, there's these very green and flourishing mountains. And his, his disciple goes, look, Ox Mountain, is its nature is bad, you know, and look at the other ones, their nature is good. And Mencius disagreed, and Mencius' Mencius's point and the analogy of the story of Ox Mountain is Mencius said, no, no, you, you're misinterpreting that because it's not Ox Mountain's nature that is bad, it's the environment that he, that it is in that has turned it toxic. Which is why it had no trees, no grass, it was barren, completely just back to dust. This is the point. This is the Mencius' point and this is also Lao point, Lao point is that if we stay influenced by external means, our, our nature will continue to be warped and we will continue to be distorted and not be ourselves essentially. Even Zhuangzi said in his text, you know, we need to refrain from the motives of society if we are to stay in the society. So Lao Tzu's point here is that the way of the Tao, the way of nature, is to let nature just run its course without interfering with it, that's the point. The interference aspect is one of the key points in Taoism. When we interfere with something's nature, we are blocking the stream of Tao. We are blocking the Tao from coming into the universe. So there is no chance of achieving Uwe on a personal level. So it's the interference that destroy, that distorts any the growth of anything in nature as we know. When we cut down a tree, we destroyed its growth. When we destroy the Amazon rainforest as we're doing, we are destroying not only the, the ecosystem of the rainforest, we are destroying the ecosystem of the planet, which we, were, which we are slowly learning. And because we are nature, which is Lao Tzu's point, we are exactly the same. So when we interfere with our nature, then we begin to be distorted and we begin to un- act unnaturally. That's his point. Now because we have this tendency to interfere with each other all the time, as Confucius did, he made a social ethics system to try and cultivate people. This was kind of the birth of the idea of government, of external government. And external government, as we all know, is based on force, control, and power. It's based on controlling people, basically, and influencing its power over the people. Now in Taoism, uh, the, the idea of government is completely different. First of all, Zitran, so when we look at naturalness, the different components of nature naturally grow spontaneously of itself, producing harmony. So nature is naturally balanced without any need of government. So because things naturally grow of themselves, everything is in harmony with each other without having to dictate one on the other. Everything is, there's a homeostasis there between in, in nature. But in our society, in human society, we have this idea of external government which wants to shape the character of the person which distorts the ability of naturalness, the ability of Zitran to come forward, to be, the power of spontaneity is to be, is, is, begins to be crushed. This is what we see in our world. Now, take this one step further. There was a Russian evolutionary theorist named Peter Kropotkin. And Peter Kropotkin is better known for uh, Kropotkin's anarchy. So, what Kropotkin's anarchy is? It's a theory that postulates if we need to leave. uh, It's a theory which postulates that if we were to leave people alone to follow their own nature, real social order and true government would emerge. This is his point. So, if we were to leave each and every one of us alone, we would follow our own nature. And now, this this nature that he's talking about is in Chinese. We could relate this to the Daoist concept of Li, which is different to the Confucian concept, the Daoist concept of Li is um, the markings in jade and the fibre and muscle, because always Chinese always have interesting ways of translating, which means naturally, that means an organic pattern naturally within your consciousness. So that is your nature, which is unique and different to other people, um, which brings different colors to the world. So um, Peter Kropotkin's idea is that if we were all separately to follow our own nature, naturally harmony would come about because that's how nature is and his view is humans are not different from nature and, and we are not when you think about it. Um, but in Taoism they would take it further because um, any government is not institutional or, or organizational power according to Taoism. Now Peter Kropotkin said that real social order and true government would emerge and he's, he's probably true in that context. And the Taoists would definitely agree, um, but they would just say that it, government itself is not institutional or organisational power. Real government is the communal power attained when we trust each other. So that's very similar obviously, but it's, it, as this is what Lao Tzu would um, advocate and in one of the verses of the Tao Te Ching it actually goes into that. So if we were all to trust each other, the power of the community would be the government that would um, control society and that only comes from trusting each other. So that comes in giving our power away to gain a sort of power that we've always wanted. Now what that means is life is governed when we leave the world to be as it will be. So what that means then is when we trust in people this is the real government. It's not about external influence. It's not about um, learning a certain system and then downloading that into your consciousness and acting out of that accord. Lao Tzu would say, just trust in other people is enough to produce real government and to to bring um, a deeper sense of the Tao, a perception of the Tao in everyday life, personal and social. Now, to advocate this point even further, um, as Lao Tzu would mention that this is not just to do with, you know, social government. Um, th- this trust that we should have in people should extend out into all life. It should extend into everything in the universe. We need to trust. First of all, you don't need to think about if the sun's going to come up every day. You just trust that it's going to happen. And his point is that we should be like this with everything. We should trust life and when we trust life we begin to become sincerely humble because we see that, you know, sometimes things do happen, but um, as you follow the Tao, things begin to work themselves out. So what, is, what is, might seem a bad situation in the end will be a good situation, but you're just not looking at it correctly when you are caught in the subjective viewpoint. This is his point. So when our trust extends out into all life, then we come into a sincere humility and a sincere appreciation for the whole universe. So by following the way of the Tao brings you into harmony with the Tao, basically it's what Lao Tzu is saying. When we follow the way of the Tao, we follow the course of nature in our own lives, we come into harmony with it because we are trusting it. We are trusting um, the path. We are trusting that the river is going to the greater ocean in our life. That's what we are trusting. Now to explain this in a deeper level and to accentuate my point. There was once a a Norwegian ethnographer and adventurer um, named uh, Thor Heyerdahl. Now Thor Heyerdahl was a really interesting character, Um, he'd been on many adventures but one of his greatest adventures, uh, his greatest expeditions was known as Kontiki. Now Kontiki was an expedition he he embarked on in 1947. Now Kontiki was this idea, um, Thor Heyerdahl in true Taoist fashion believed that if he trusted the world he'd be guided and taken to wherever he needed to be this was his, his deep sense of trust that he had now his idea was he, he him and his small crew they created a balsa wood raft in peru so a balsa wood a raft and his idea was they were just going to put it in the ocean in the pacific and then just drift off into the ocean obviously most people were like you you are completely nuts because you were just going to drift out and you are never going to be found again so anyway Thor Heyerdahl and his small crew built the raft, the balsa wood raft, and they went out. The balsa wood raft was very fragile and as they went out into the Pacific, over time the balsa wood raft began to swell up, the the logs began to swell, um, which made it more secure and more durable. The the, the raft became more durable as they went out. And another problem that Thor Heyerdahl and his small crew had was wasn't just the boat. Once that secured itself and they went out to sea, there was always the problem of food Now miraculously, as they went on day after day, they would wake up every morning with flying fish on the deck. Flying fish are just there on the deck, free fish every day. Now a lot of people say this is a miracle but Thor Heyerdahl's trust was that if he began to just trust in the ecosystem, he would become one with it. So he began, him and his crew and his raft began to replicate the intelligence of a dolphin they began to uh, move in the path of least resistance as they travelled into the into the Pacific Ocean. Now, Hyodell and his crew they drifted for eight thousand kilometres, which is five thousand miles, um, and they were just they drifted way out into the, uh, the Pacific Ocean, and then they they wound up on the, the distant island of Tuamotos in in French Polynesia in the South Pacific. They just arrived there, and without any intention, but like I said, they began to mimic the intelligence of a dolphin and they began to become one with the ecosystem. They began to follow the rhythms of the ocean without forcing. They weren't trying, they were following the Laocian path of stop trying. Then they just began to let go and let the cosmos and the ocean take them where they need to need to be, and where they need to be was Tuamotos. So he arrives. Now because they, they followed this process, uh Heidel his crew in the raft because the trust they had made them an aperture for the universe to, to express itself. That's the beautiful thing. Now, I'm not recommending any of us should do this, but his trust made him an aperture. You know, and in a sense, we do this all the time when we do sincerely trust in the process of our own life. So this is the Taoist concept that the universe is your body when you trust, and this is actually a concept in Vedanta as well that the entire universe is an extension of your own body when you trust and you become humble to it. And then the, the miracles begin to happen in life. People say synchronicity, you know, people call them a lot of words. But when you begin to trust, this is what happens in your life. You begin to mimic the rhythms of nature because you are in harmony with nature, in harmony with the Tao. Now this is the paradox of unity. See. The paradox of unity is trust. Because it's only when we trust the universe, when we trust life, when we trust the universe, that we get this real sense of unity within. You know, it's funny because when we trust, we become one with it. And it's only when we don't trust, when we always question or when we are cynical or sarcastic about reality, that we are completely disconnected from it. So that's why the the paradox of unity is trust. It's only when you trust you have the sense of unity and the concept of oneness which is completely at a deeper level than the New Age concept of oneness. So when we trust, we let go, we become one with it. We become one with the Tao, we become in harmony with the Tao, and we begin to roll and swim down the stream without resisting it. And this is the beautiful thing of Lao philosophy. It's not about swimming against the stream, it's not about blocking the stream, it's about going with it because you trust that your life is going in the right direction no matter what the crazy situation is that you encounter. So Lao Tzu's view of Wu Wei, of the effortless mind, of becoming, of, of embodying intelligent spontaneity is that you discover what you, are, what you are seeking when you give up the search for it. That's his idea. When you give up the search for it, you discover it. When you stop trying. You realize you already have it, so you need to let go. This is the idea of Laozi and philosophy and Taoism. You need to let go and allow the universe to happen without you interfering with it. That's his idea. So that means then, Uwe is our intrinsic nature, and the Tao is naturally within the universe as it, and so it can be, and so it cannot be artificially induced as as Confucius believed. Confucius believed that we can artificially induce it where Lao Tzu said that the Tao is naturally in the universe as the universe. And you are part of that as that when you stop trying to find it. This is the paradox. When you stop trying to find it, you realize you are that. And then you begin to express Uwe, you begin to express the power of spontaneity. The effortless mind comes into the, the realm of existence. This is Lao Tzu's point and it's a beautiful philosophy, beautiful thing. And this is the core of Taoism: to allow the universe to be as it will, to follow the course of nature, to let everything grow spontaneously of itself, naturalness, sitran, to let that process happen. This is the core of Lao Tzu philosophy. Now if you're interested in getting into um, more of Lao Tzu's philosophy and Chinese philosophy in general, there's a lot of books you need to know. I'll show you four of my favorites. Obviously you need a good copy of the Tao Te Ching. Now a lot of the purists will probably laugh at me because this is the this is translation by Stephen Mitchell, which is kind of not really a translation. It's kind of he's changed it a little bit you know, made it more palatable for um, the modern world. But it's, this is a great version, this is an illustrated version, but there is many great um, translations of the Tao Te Ching out there, which you can find online. Now another book you probably need to read if you're interested in Taoist philosophy is the I Ching. This is Richard Wilhelm's translation, um, Carl Jung writes the forward on this, it's one of the classics, um, but I'm, I'm not telling you to read this for the oracle perspective. The oracle perspective of the, of the I Ching is only the surface of the I Ching. What you need to understand is the wisdom of the I Ching and its relationship to the nature of the Tao and the nature of Lao philosophy. Now the next book, one of my personal favorites, is *Dow the Watercourse Way by Alan Watts. This is a great book and um, Alan kind of exemplifies modern day Lao and sage in some sense uh, if you have a look at the course of his own life. Um, and last but not least is um, *Trying Not to Try by Edward Slingland. And this is a great book, um, Edward Slingland actually goes into um, the differences and methods of each of the sages during the Warring States period and how they perceived Wu Wei and how they perceived to come in harmony with the Tao. So I recommend all those books, but uh, in summary I hope you enjoyed today and um, Lao Lao Tzu's philosophy is definitely something that will never go away because when you begin to follow his philosophy sincerely you see that It has a truth in your own life and in your own experience which you can't calculate but when you begin to let life happen as it will, you come in harmony with something much deeper and something much more meaningful than we can um, learn from external influence. So I hope you enjoyed today and I'll see you next time.